is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Paulette Sr. on our show today. Paulette has devoted her life and career to breaking down systemic barriers and building up diverse women and girls. Her personal experience immigrating to Canada from Jamaica as a young girl ignited her interest in social justice and helped make her the dynamic, grounded leader she is today. Paulette's career began in social services in some of Toronto's most underserved neighborhoods. She witnessed the need for systemic change and learned the power of putting the voices of women and equity-seeking communities first. She became known for her excellence in shelter, employment, and housing service provision, as well as for her intersectional approach to advocacy. She has earned numerous awards and has become one of the most respected women leaders in Canada. In 2016, Paulette joined the Canadian Women's Foundation as president and CEO after a decade serving as CEO of YWCA Canada. She's a sought-after thought leader on numerous issues, including gender equity and gender-based violence, women's poverty and the wage gap, girls' empowerment, and leadership. Her focus at the foundation is to bolster an inclusive national movement for all women, girls, and communities across Canada. Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, Paulette. Thank you. That's great to be here. Wonderful. So before we jump into, uh, you know, a number of different questions I have for you, what's the one thing that you want our audience to take away from today's conversation? You know, I, I think there are many things that, that I'd like folks to take away, but I think the top ones would probably be that uh, we know that the pandemic is challenging us and stretching us uh, in ways that we've never known and in in new ways probably still to come but together we we must really truly continue to be tireless i think in overcoming the challenges that face us so when i when i say tireless i don't mean that we're not going to get tired and fed up and frustrated and all that kind of stuff but it means that we don't uh we don't necessarily uh give up it means that we're in this together and we help each other to continue on. And that's how I think we're going to get through that. So I think that's the top, top uh, takeaway I'd like to leave with folks. Mm, one day at a time. 
Mm-hmm. Completely agree. So with um, uh, the experience that we've talked about in your bio, you have clearly a really extensive and, and incredible career path. Uh, can you walk us through, you know, how did you become so passionate about supporting women um, through your various roles and with the YWCA? Walk us through your career. Well, I'm, I'm hoping it won't take too long because it, it spans, uh, I think, just over 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some time. <laughs> um, so so I'll, just get, I'll just leave the highlights with you. How's that? Sounds good. Okay, so um, I, I think at this stage of my career, I realized just how privileged I've been to have spent the first um, about five years, five to eight years or so on the front lines of organizations that serve women from some of Toronto's most socially and economically marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it is at, it's, it's, I think that's, experience is what's actually given me um, many things, including the backbone, the expertise, the knowledge that never goes away. And, and I really had an opportunity to utilize those experiences taught to me by women at grassroots community organizations, but also women who were doing this work in their communities, not for pay, but volunteer. Mm-hmm. They taught me a lot and so I've been able to utilize that to to really inform the work I've done over the years as I sort of worked my way up and through various roles to advocate for women and girls on a national level. And and the reason I've really dedicated my life to this to this um, type of work is is that I think we still have such a long way to go, even in a privileged country like Canada. And and the benefits of advancing gender equality gender equity, intersectionality are so great for people of all gender. So it's not just about women, it's about all of us. Mm. And and I think it's also easy for us to fall into thinking that we can't change a status quo because most of us were raised and just inherited the society that we're in. And, and our society is really a patriarchal society, mm. right? One that actually puts men at the top and Women, depending on your your um, you know identities that you come with, kind of uh, at the bottom. You know, if you're talking about racialized women, indigenous women, women with disabilities, uh, you know, it just goes down the line. So, so it's, we've inherited that as status quo, and we've we've grown up to be thinking that that is the way things are. And the problem is that when we take that particular approach, we actually risk losing the precious gains that we've made over the past decades. So now as we're in the pandemic, as it unfolds, we're actually seeing how the consequences of inequality and equity uh, are marginalized uh, by by the crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and women have been disproportionately impacted economically. And for many, there's a higher risk of, of gender-based violence. For example, we've seen this. Mm-hmm. You know, we know, for example, that the, the incident, uh, the tragedy, that happened in Nova Scotia was sparked by misogyny, mm. right? And so, um, so, so this is the reality of society we live in. And uh, women are much more uh, burdened by childcare and elder care, where they're caught in the middle of, of having to do all of that and work. So I would say that I'm, I'm more motivated now than ever to continue working towards gender equality, increasing women's involvement in the economy is is a big part of that. And I think. What what if there's an opportunity that this pandemic has provided us? It's a bit of a reset, mm. if you will, resetting 
what the norm has been to a new norm, one that is inclusive of everyone. And that, that makes me really excited and inspired and motivated. I, I love that idea of this reset button. I think many entrepreneurs, uh, women and men, are taking this time to to reflect on their businesses and seeing you know what's working in in that context, um, but also looking to the future. How can we use this global pandemic um, as as a, a point of reflection in seeing you know who has been um, really affected um, disproportionately during these mo- during these moments, and how can we make sure moving forward um, that there's commensurate res- support to to those groups? Absolutely, and you know I. I'm very thrilled because I've been invited to a few important tables to talk about this mm-hmm. and what 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 is it that we want to create going forward and what should we be pushing for. So I'm excited about what's possible. Mm, me too. So when, mm-hmm. when we look at economic recovery, um, what unique role do you think women can play in that econo- in the economic recovery of COVID-19? Well, you know, I don't think it's a surprise to any who would be listening to this podcast and beyond that. Uh, uh, the reality before the pandemic hit uh, had been estimated that, that Canada could add $150 billion to its GDP just by advancing gender equality and increasing women's participation in the workforce. That alone if it should be enough. Mm-hmm. But we also know that the economic impact of, of the pandemic is being called uh, what by some a she-session because... Uh, what we've seen is that more than 60% of the early layoffs and job losses have been borne by women. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also know that this is largely due to women's representation in the service sector and the impact of that uh, on that sector of the economy. Um, and decision makers uh, have to be pushed, if not pulled, uh, to try to address the economic crisis they must address barriers to women's participation uh, across the economic sectors now in order to to succeed. And women must be involved uh, in decision-making and be at those decision-making tables. So whether it's about, um, you know, looking at various aspects of the, of the recovery in terms of healthcare to the elderly, Mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, the investments in the economy, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, education, whatever sector we look at, women must be involved at those decision-making tables. Um, and one of those key barriers that uh, that we all know of, it, it, it's no surprise, is childcare. Mm-hmm. So we have to ensure that women have access to affordable, accessible childcare so that they can return to work or continue operating their businesses wherever they do that from. And, and looking at entrepreneurship um, as a potential opportunity that, uh, you know, many women who were potentially working in more traditional industries, um, do you see a role for entrepreneurship to play to support women going back to work after, after the pandemic? Um, of course, absolutely. Um, we know that entrepreneurship can help women, particularly those with children, to overcome uh, various barriers that they face uh, and that these barriers come with more mainstream employment. Um, but a mother may not be able to, for example, um, go to a nine to five job because she may be more than capable of running her own business uh, if she can set her own hours and have the flexibility of working from home or wherever she needs to be. Uh, you know, women who, for example, are single parents, we know that 80 percent of of lone parent households are led by women. Mm-hmm. And one out of three are raising their children on a low income. Those are stark statistics. Mm. 
if, if self-employment opportunities were more available to these women, it would benefit them, their families and society at large. And go back goes back to one of my earlier uh, comments with respect to the GDP. Mm. Um, if we were really advancing gender equality in Canada, our GDP would go up or, or be added to by $150 billion. So that is not small change. No, that's a pretty big number. <laughs> Hopefully that's compelling enough to, to make some movement in this direction. Yeah. So when we look at um, entrepreneurship and, and the evolving landscape of entrepreneurship post-COVID, do you see a unique role that entrepreneurship can play for women who are looking to get back into work or whose jobs um, might not be available post-COVID? Well, you know, it's very difficult to predict what we're going to look like a year from now. Mm. But what we know now can inform that. And, and we also, what we know now is that entrepreneurship can help women, particularly those who have children to overcome barriers that come with uh, mainstream employment. Mm. Um, mainstream, we've always assumed mainstream would be there, but we don't know now because things have shifted quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So um, a, a mother may not be able to, for example, do a nine to five job, but she may be more than capable of running her own business if she can set her own hours and have the flexibility, for example, for working from home or wherever she needs to be. So that's one particular scenario. And and when I think of, you know, because we think through the lens of the most vulnerable at the Kenyan Women's Foundation. So when you think of single parents, 80% of lone parent households are led by women. Mm. And one out of three are raising uh, their children on a low income. Mm. So if self-employment opportunities were more available to these women, it would benefit them, their families and society in general. So, and we, we talk about what, uh, what's what what the government or what society is missing out on when we know that um, you know if if the the role that women can play if the if the pandemic hit it had been even before the pandemic hit I should say we knew that there was an estimate that it would add 150 billion to 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 Canadian GDP mm -hmm. so we have to figure women into the equation and have them at those key tables so that we're thinking through innovatively how we can make sure women, considering the responsibilities they hold, are, are, um, are being supported as entrepreneurs. So then with um, specific support for women entrepreneurs, so you mentioned um, uh, with the Canadian Women's Foundation, there are a number of different supports um, that you offer as an organization. What are the key supports that women entrepreneurs should tr be trying to access uh, both during a, a global pandemic, but also moving forward to make sure that they can both start and sustain their businesses as women entrepreneurs? Let me see. So what supports um, are available? So I, I think it's encouraging that the government recently committed $15 million mm. to support women entrepreneurs. Uh, it's, it's a small amount, but it's, mm. it's a beginning in the right direction. And so this has provided other emergency, um, uh, they've also provided other emergency uh, support funding, but we know that there are still many women entrepreneurs who are still falling through the cracks. So for example, um, women whose businesses don't have employees, where the employees could get um, seventy up to seventy five percent of of their um, of of their salaries. Businesses that don't have employees or those whose businesses don't fit the criteria for emergency supports are falling through the cracks. Mm. And that's why I think we need to continue to advocate for more inclusive decision and policy making, and continue 
to really strengthen grassroots organi- women's organizations that are working to support women at the community level. Because I, I think because we've, uh, as I mentioned at the top of our, our discussion, uh, because they're, they're, women have been rarely noticed and because the facts have been hidden for so long, uh, but the facts are really clear. You know, earlier I said that um, in, term, in terms of stats, that uh, th- uh, 39% of small to medium-sized businesses are owned by women, mm-hmm. right? So that's a huge missing element if we're not planning for that, particularly as we recover from COVID. So I think it's really important. We need to get the government to commit more money to support women entrepreneurs and to encourage them that this is the right direction to take. Mm. And so when you look at the major challenges that that underrepresented um, uh, founders and women entrepreneurs, specifically from marginalized communities, what are you seeing as the major challenges that we need to be responding to, both from a government perspective, but also within um, entrepreneur support organizations? What are the biggest challenges that they're facing right now? Um, It's a good question. So I would think that um, there are several. So many of their businesses, for example, are in the service sectors that are being hardest hit by the pandemic. I, I can think of within my own family, my sister is a, is, is a hairstylist, mm. right? And, and we know that because of the nature of that business, that uh, that's an area that's been hardly hard hit mm-hmm. by, by the pandemic. And what are the measures that need to be put back in place as those businesses or service sector um, business start to come back online, right? So that's one thing. Um, we also know that their businesses are smaller and less capitalized, mm-hmm. and therefore more vulnerable to economic fluctuations. So even without the pandemic, that's already a part of the systemic barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know that women are more likely to be taking on more of the childcare, elder care, and domestic responsibilities that are resulting from the pandemic. Um, in terms of the isolated measures that have been put in place. So that's, that is a current challenge. And then we also have to recognize that while there's a lot of eagerness, maybe even a bit of anxiety to move businesses online during the pandemic, I think there still remains a digital divide in Canada, mm-hmm. right? So particularly when you think of women in rural and remote communities, when I think of the women or the, or, and the organizations that we support in our territories, for example, mm-hmm. um, I was at a conference last fall in, um, in uh, uh, Yel- not Yellowknife, sorry, the Yukon, um, Whitehorse. Whitehorse, thank you. <laughs> um, and, and that was with uh, a, a, a couple hundred women entrepreneurs from the region. And, and I was blown away by their ingenuity and their innovation, but also their eagerness uh, to really be successful entrepreneurs, right? But the digital divide is in place. And so I think we need to be doing more to support women who are in rural remote communities to become uh, uh, successful entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And to me, this means it's essential to apply an equity lens mm-hmm. so that the economic recovery, um, an intersectional, in fact, equity lens, so that the, the recovery efforts reach marginalized communities as well. Mm. That's a great point. And I was actually having a conversation yesterday about the, the idea of connectivity um, and that, you know, we're, we're shifting into this extreme digital space because we can't connect in person. Um, mm-hmm. But by 
um, you know, offering so many webinars and, and many things that also require um, tremendous streaming ability and internet connectivity, there's, you know, there are, are huge populations that don't have um, that accessible. Um, so, you know, we're working under these um, assumptions that, you know, by going digital, we have more extended reach and we can offer programming and all of these new spaces, but there's this mm -hmm. huge connectivity question as well that needs to be acknowledged. Yes. Um, and in fact, uh, the government has a focus on on the the issue of of connectivity connectivity in rural and remote communities. Mm -hmm. So Minister Monsef, who's also responsible for women and gender equality, mm -hmm. has this as part of her her portfolio. And I understand there are movements that are being made already to ensure that there's greater access in some of these communities. Mm. So when you look at um, how women can pivot to a post-COVID-19 world, you know, if we're thinking in, in our sort of future state, um, what do you think is going to be essential in terms of support uh, both to each other and also from support organizations? How can we support women entrepreneurs in this future world that, that we don't know what that's going to look like quite yet? Well, it's going to be a new reality. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're all, you know, doing our best to figure it out as we go along. Um, so so I think it's, it's important to... Um, at this stage, really take notice of what the changes are, but also be able to listen to those that we're serving, those that our businesses are serving, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and find out what the need, the need is in this new reality and, and help to provide that. Mm -hmm. um, so this is really calling on our creativity. It's calling on skills that we may not necessarily use all the time, but some of the times. Mm -hmm. And so, so those are being called forth to be able to respond. And at the foundation, we did a, a survey of, of the programs that we fund um, in the weeks uh, just after the lockdown. Mm -hmm. And the responses were immensely helpful in helping us to understand the specific challenges uh, that these service providers uh, face and their communities were facing across the country. And that's really insightful information. So that's one action that folks could take. Mm. And what this really did for us it is, is that it informed our next steps, which included for us, which our core business is to raise money and grant money. Mm. So we launched the Tireless Together Fund. Mm. Um, and this, this was critical and it happened at, at the right time. And it really is a nationwide emergency fund. And what we've learned also um, continues to inform our discussion with government representatives uh, and, and our corporate um, partners about what services women and girls urgently need during this time. And when it comes to uh, specific examples, uh, one of the social purpose organizations that we fund decided to, to divide their funding in half thus creating an online social enterprise for a more immediate new revenue stream and help cover losses that they knew were coming during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. No, that, that's that's really great to hear, Paulette. And when you think of, um, you know, through our conversation, I think there are many um, uh, places that, that entre women entrepreneurs can go to uh, that the, you've mentioned. What would be your key piece of advice to our audience at this time to, um, you know, pump up our resilience and really get through the next couple of months that we know are going to be challenging? What's your, your sort of actionable piece of advice that you'd like to leave our, our listeners with today? I think reflecting, I, I think it's really about uh, making sure that we reach out and find ways that we can work together mm. because, because it is together that we're going to get through this pandemic. 
contact one person, several people and figure out if there's a way you can help each other or brainstorm ways to innovate or share resources, talk to people, reach out. Even though we, we're, we're still in isolation, it's an opportunity that we have to think through, okay, so what do I need to do if I feel stuck? It's about reaching out, work toward, uh, you know, find a common goal and work towards that. Uh, I think we know that women are particularly good at networking. So being resourceful, building on those strengths and supporting each other. And, and I think that those are the things that we need to continue doing because we know how to do that. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a second nature thing to us as women, but we do that well. So let's keep doing that. And we'll, I think that together we'll get through this. Mm, I agree, Paulette. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Thrive Podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.